Hello, I'm Hannah Heading and you're listening to Well Worn Pod, the show all about style, sustainability and secondhand. Hello, lovely listener. Welcome back to Well Worn Pod. Well, when it comes to op shopping, Kirsten McIdas has done her research. And I mean literally. Up Till You Drop is the title of her thesis, which explores the function of vintage clothing within youth culture and expression and distinction when it comes to fashion and style. Yep, we're doing a sociological deep dive today and I am pumped. Kirsten, it is a joy to have you and to get to chat all things op shopping. To kick us off, could you tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Hannah. It's much a pleasure on my end um, to be here as well. Um, yeah, so my name is Kirsten Makaitis. I am a sociologist by training, but a love of op shopper um, by, by heart, I would say. Um, at the moment, I teach um, sociology in the, at Tabor, um, and we teach primarily to youth workers and counsellors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had a kind of a deep love of all things op shopping from a very I don't know I, I would again you try and remember your first yeah kind of um instinct of it but it, I developed a deep love quite early on when I was a teenager and um throughout my early adult years it was a uh, it was such a calling card of myself and my friendship and my uh, my friends and my and my family that we mm. an activity that we used to do together and I kind of channel that um into a little bit of a, a research study when I was at uni so yeah amazing well I want to just jump right into it because there's so much yeah. to unpack here how did that come about because I too am thoroughly interested in op shopping and I'm not going to go write a thesis about it so how <laughs> did you get there yeah I I I did an assignment at uni and it was something like you had to, you had to talk about um, some particular objects that you had in your house or a particular, Mm. even uh, I, 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 again, I can't even remember, but I remember talking about op shopping and Mm -hmm. I was like, cause I I did it all the time. And I wrote about two items of clothing that I, that I loved in the process of it. And my, um, my lecturer at the time sat me down, he called me to his office and sat me down. He said, this is really good. Um, but also like, do you realize that it's super weird? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, everyone must stop shopping. He's like, no, 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 no. The people don't. He's like, you need to, you need to do some more research on this because from the amount of people that you think that love op shopping, there are kind of millions more that don't understand why Mm -hmm. you would go and um, spend the time looking through dirty old clothes, you know, clothes Mm -hmm. that people died in was the Mm -hmm. words that he used. And, um, and, and, you know, and dirty clothes. And when you can just get something new yeah. that's presented for you. And I was like, you're on. So he said, do you want to do honours thesis about it? And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else with my time. So I said, sure. And and then the next year spent um, many, many, many days going around to op shops around Adelaide and South Australia to just, and I just kind of stalked people in the store and I said, hi, can I talk to you about your op shopping experiences? And um, most of them were like, Yes, I need because you know, yeah. I mean, you have a whole podcast about it, you know how yeah. passionate people are about it. Um, and so, yeah, I sat down and did so many interviews with people about you know their their story and got mm. some really, really interesting things. Because, um, one thing I say to my students all the time is like, one thing we do if you don't, if you've never heard about what sociology is or kind of you know the field itself, it's it's making the things in society that are 
um, invisible, visible. So the things right. that we kind of take for granted, the things that are, that we assume that are kind of normal everyday experiences, let's try and unpack them and mm-hmm. discover who we are as a people um, by asking these like interesting questions around um, how life works and op shopping um, and the way that we shop is a really, really important part of that. Mm. Oh gosh. Wow. I love that. It's really interesting to kind of just note that it had become something that was so normal to you and even amongst the people that you spent time with and the people you surrounded yourself with, everyone loves op shopping, right? And right here on this podcast, we're a little corner of the internet and the podcast world that, you know, the audience is largely a group of people who all feel the same way, deeply passionate about the world of secondhand. So it does create something of an echo chamber. You forget that there are people who are still, even now, you know, yeah. vehemently opposed to the idea of it. So it's yeah. it's pretty fascinating to unpack and to read through um, the article that you wrote. I didn't read your thesis. It was no, that, no, no so one many words. <laughs> <laughs> I did read your journal article and yeah. I just felt like every second paragraph I was writing something down or calling out to my husband and going, listen to this. This is, this is how I feel. This is what is true for me. Um, and I, I just really identified with so much of what you were unpacking oh, there. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping that we can kind of track through it in a way that is just an honest conversation about how we as people engage with fashion and style broadly and then what that looks like when we bring the world of vintage and secondhand into it as well. Um, Amazing. So I want to kick off by looking a bit at the history of fashion. You write and something that I think is, um, you know, going to be familiar to most of us and the listeners is that historically fashion was an indicator of class distinction um, and you write about how fashion then filters down to the lower classes and that we often see the lower classes seek to imitate high society by emulating their style choices. So I want to yeah. talk about this. Mm. Do you think that now in 2021 that the people who sit in the top tier of wealth still play a huge role in determining what we all wear? And I would say more specifically like in a Western context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, yes, I would say yes and yes. I, I think, um, I mean, there's caveats to that, of course, mm. but I would say absolutely, we've still got a massive amount of influence from, you know, key fashion houses and key designers and and what they're setting the tone of um, <clears throat> what we deem to be this aspirational type yeah. of fashion. And I think that still carries the weight. I mean, we still look at Uh, we still look at the idea of, of, you know, high fashion and, and, you know, fashion shows as this kind of like, it's almost an ethereal kind of idea, right? Mm -hmm. Where these elite are coming up with this and that's where all the creativity is. That's where all the, um, the boldness is right mm. and in terms of then that filtering down you still see the replication in a muted way in some mm-hmm. respects um in terms of kind of you know what we call you know mainstream fashion and things like that yeah. what's different about you know today compared to you know previous decades or even 150 years ago is the, the rate of change yeah and right. the way that that information is communicated so quickly is that Trends can be imitated almost instantaneously. Like mm. you don't necessarily need to see, um, you know, you know, historically people actually had to wear the clothes in and out and around for mm. people to kind of see them and then they'd be replicated. Now we can just see photos of them. Yeah, right. Um, 
you know, the moment that they appear and then they can be replicated as they move down mm. quickly. So we see trends move faster. So I see, still think that there are massive influences in terms of people replicating this kind of high idea to say, look, I am, you know, mm. I, I know a lot about fashion. I'm, you know, what we call you know, fashion forward or, or mm. you know, those, those terms, but the rate of change has, has shifted dramatically. However, what's shifted also because of technology is because is when people are creating their own, when they're being producers of their own style, that can actually be broadcast back to, you know, the quote yeah. unquote machine. Mm. And so there is far more, I think, opportunity for that, um, entrepreneurial type of experience where people who are their own producers and creators can can get their stuff out there right. um, as opposed to the traditional channels of communication mm. um, you know yeah it becomes a bit more going yeah and we no, will and we will um yeah it becomes a bit more of a two-way conversation whereas maybe yeah. previously that wasn't the case it does make me think yeah. a little bit about the the example in the scene of the devil wears prada where miranda Priestley mm. is in a room of co-workers and they're deciding between two different blue belts and andy the yeah. assistant who is not fashion forward kind of scoffs and yeah. laughs and yeah. Miranda just has this incredible monologue where she puts her in her place and just essentially says, you think that you're exempt from this world of fashion, but the jumper that you're wearing in that particular colour of blue was chosen for you by the people in this room. Um, yeah. It's such a powerful moment and also uh, really eye-opening that actually if you boil it down, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, that's right. There is, I, I, hundred percent believe that there are people, yeah, in the top tiers thinking of who, who remember colours, who remember stories, yeah. who remember, and that influential thing, you know, kind of train going down. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of, you know, the, the pinnacle of that, though, I think in terms of the, the way that fashion, the way that we kind of. Um, uh, are attracted to fashion, right? Mm. There are different aspects of that. We one we think of those, you know, those um, very much those elite fashion houses. But then there's the sense of we're attracted to fashion and the, the nostalgia that it brings to us as well as mm. you know the sense of creativity. So you know, I think that um, I, I think there are so many more things that play than this kind of superficial notion that clothing is just clothing and mm. and silhouettes are just silhouettes. You know, they they have a very particular tie in to um, time, place and context. The interesting thing here is that for me and what I'm thinking about is that I am drawn to fashion and style and personal expressions um, that are also very different from my own. I Mm. don't jump on Vogue and look at the trends as dictated by the major fashion houses, but I do absolutely engage with social media and almost see those trends distilled by people who seem more accessible to me. Can we talk about that a little bit where it's like now the top tier still has that maybe overarching influence, but Mm. it's filtered through the middle class in a different way than it has been before. Yeah, Um, I completely agree with you. And I I think that that is a trend that, you know, we see across not just in fashion, but, you know, in all forms of art, we we Mm. have this, we have this, 
um, desire to bring things to ourselves that, you know, we have this sense of familiarity with or this sense of, you know, identification with, right? Mm -hmm. Because we see so much clothing as this sense of um, it's a tool in which we can create our own identity, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that we reflect who we are, we we aim to reflect who we are um, through the clothes that we wear. So it makes sense then that we are um, attracted to representations of clothing of people that we can kind of go, oh, man, um, they're on that kind of, you know, quote, unquote, same level as me, which, you know, you use the term middle class or um, an approachable sense where you're saying, I'm not, I'm never going to be, you know, a size four or size zero, but I've got someone who's similar, who, who perhaps looks like me, who's got the same body um, characteristics to me because clothing is a way for me to feel um, as we do in our society, we, we kind of have this idea, it's called the project of the self, right? So mm. we gather things around us to represent who we are right. on, on the inside to the outside. And clothing mm-hmm. is a massive, massive tool in that. So it absolutely makes sense for us to do that. In, and we feel a sense of comfort and relationship to those, perhaps, you know, those filtered down ideas of the, those clothing and those approachability um, in Pinterest, you know, for example, then, um, yeah. then as you're saying, then kind of buying one of the, the magazines to look at who we, you know, what we wear. Mm. So then there was a part in your article that talked about um, something that I found really personally quite challenging. It said Mm. that the self is free to be constructed through consumerism. Um, Mm. Here, consumption is central to the construction of identity. Consumption is Mm. now the duty of the individual. We're no longer citizens or workers, but we're consumers. So does our access to clothing and our insanely high rates of consumption complicate our relationship to personal style? Ooh, it's a complicate. That's an interesting question. I think, I think it, it influences it and it shapes it. I, I, I would say, yes, it does complicate it, but I would say that that sense of, of personal style is only I think the notion of personal style has only been further enhanced through the advance of consumerism. Mm. So you can't necessarily separate the two. I don't think that they're, you know, um, you know, separate entities. I think our our conception of what is a personal style has only increased with the with the role of consumerism in our lives because we have um, the notion that those things are available to you rather than it being this fixed idea of, oh, this is who I am, this is who I will always be. And Mm. our sense of style was very clearly identified, you know, with the status that we had in life, right? So you think about the the role that you played in society, we often had clothing that represented that role. And that was fixed. People didn't shift that. So the increasing level of consumerism in our life then just basically exacerbated the notion. So I don't know how to answer the word. Does it complicate it? I think it. I think it. Um, I suppose it raises the stakes of the importance in our lives. We we are mm. told every single day that this personal style is us for the creation of. Mm. You know, and to, and in some in so many ways, you know, insinuates the fact that our level of success is is there. There's a um, a direct relationship to the way that we um, choose to take on or the the amount of effort we put into our personal mm. style mm-hmm. um, and the ways that we can do that is is almost this, this sense of fatigue because all of these options are available to you but you need to participate in it otherwise yes. as you said you know we're actually not good citizens because we're not consuming we're not yeah. um, you know participating in this kind of machine of um, feeding money into the economy, building up mm. style, la, 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 la. <laughs> it's, 
the way that I see it is that whether you um, enjoy the process of style and fashion Ooh. or not is one thing, um, but we all engage with it on some level in some way, unless you're a nudist, but that's still engaging with it by, by not engaging yeah. by with not, it. By not, yeah. by protesting it. You yeah. know, the, there's, we all make a choice every day about the clothes that we put on. And some of us care a great deal more about that than others. Something that I think about a lot is that my husband has a very clear and distinct uniform. He wears the same thing on repeat day after day. And if you were to ask him about his personal style, he uh, would just say something like, you know, simple, functional. um, And for him, it's the utility of the clothing that's the draw. But also... Something that I know to be true about him is that he cares a lot about looking neat and presentable. He doesn't want to look dirty. If he had a stain on his clothing, that's the end of the world. You know, that's not the way that he wants to present himself. Um, And for a lot of people, that might be the extent of it. They just want to look appropriate in the setting that they're going to be in. Um, But for me, it's (laughs) at least seemingly more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. When I have engaged with fashion and my personal style, and I'd say probably up until this point, even very recently, when I'm starting to think about it a bit differently, I have traditionally bought whatever I think looks appealing. And Ooh. that's a really broad range of things that don't necessarily result in any kind of coherent outfits um it's just anything that I'm attracted to and especially when you're shopping secondhand if you can get a good deal I'll add it to my wardrobe no worries happy to yeah low risk just do it yep but I do think that clothing has uh, a real power um to shape for me personally the way that I feel about myself on a given day if I put on a particular outfit I could have um, a great deal of confidence or I could really lack that and that will impact the way that I interact with others, the way that I view myself and my own competency and abilities, which is kind of crazy that clothing has that sort of impact, but it does. And so the thing that I guess my reason for that question around, you know, does our access to clothing complicate yeah. our relationship to style is that I have too many options in front of me yeah, and 100%. I have access to it all um, yeah. through so many channels, not just secondhand, but with the accessibility of fast mm. fashion and things like that as well. Um, yeah. There's just so much choice and it really becomes difficult because now clothing is not just a marker of the job that I do and my status in society in the same way that it used to be it becomes such a complicated choice to figure out okay what do I put on that is going to best represent who I think I am when we're still determining who we even are as people yeah yeah well in that case yeah absolutely yeah like I absolutely agree with you there's this sense of complication and the sense of you know like um, exhaustion and mm. and um, saturation that we have, and and the really interesting you know context is that if you're is almost yeah if you're aware of it, you're almost susceptible, more susceptible to that exhaustion yes. because you're not closing off you know you're not putting blinkers on saying well this is you know this is the lane that I'm traveling in when it comes to my my clothing and my representation and I'm happy and I'm 
things with that but if you're aware of that representation that it can give there's that you know the blinkers are off and you're kind of in the matrix and you're like what the heck is happening in terms Mm -hmm. of what am I reflecting about it and I think the uh, you know at its worst consumerism that's what it wants you to do right Right. so there's a sense of it wants you to feel a sense of um, worry or um, uncertainty or dissatisfaction is probably the key term is the saying you know I have what I have um but but it's not enough or I could have Mm. more I Mm -hmm. could have better things or even you know even if you're shopping ethically right even if you know our aim is to shop ethically and um both you know humanely and environmentally and say look I really want to focus on that that in itself right Mm. if we kind of pay it to it it's extreme you could even be exhausted in that because you're saying, well, how, what level of ethical um, yeah. clothing can, do I need yeah. to engage with? You know, Do I need to get rid of all of my old clothes that were not ethically sourced, mm-hmm. right? Because I need to represent this picture of myself. So if we buy into completely this idea of consumerism um, and you know, our clothing you know, being this billboard sign of who we want to mm-hmm. put out into the world, it's never a perfect picture. And consumerism wants you to know that it's not perfect, to continue trying to create that perfect thing Mm. so I would say yes (laughs) yes is the short answer but the big answer to that to your question is saying that um I think we need to be I think we need to be kind to ourselves in this moment and saying you know this is this is a process which society the way that society works at the moment is saying clothing is such a such a clear and it's always been but it's such a clear indicator of you know our quote-unquote inside um and because our visibility is so, you know, is so increased. We put ourselves out there so often through mm. social media and things like that. I think we need to be kind to ourselves to think about at what point can we put boundaries on that and say, you know, this is this is my this is my field. This is what I'm working around because otherwise the fatigue and the exhaustion can. Mm. I just think that's destructive. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. <laughs> In the recent weeks and kind of how we connected is you saw some of the reels that I was making trying to determine my personal style, which like good luck in light of all of this, right? (laughs) But I think in trying to distill it down and be really specific about it, um, it doesn't eliminate the temptation of all of the other influences that exist. But I do see the relaxing of sort of the paradox of choice of, you know, there's this um, endless possibility Mm. of what I could look like if I just make a decision and stick to it. I think that takes Mm -hmm. a bit of self-discipline. But if I can Mm -hmm. do that, then I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be completely satisfied in everything that's in my wardrobe, but it achieves something. I don't know what, but I think there is value to it. I think that there is value still to trying to determine what that is um, at a personal level. But if for nothing else, to hopefully Mm. curb my own overconsumption, because even if it is um, purchasing hopefully ethically and sustainably made clothing or secondhand, um, Mm. I can still be excessive in in that as well. It's not necessarily, um, you know, always considered and mindful. Yesterday I bought a jacket. I don't need like there's no and and it doesn't even fit with a new personal style thing so like I don't know <laughs> I freaked out I had a moment but you were at an op shop and it was cheap so you bought it right exactly what am I supposed to do it's just like yeah, in my blood at this it was point you on the rack I need to buy it absolutely <laughs> um the thing that I kept coming back to in reading your article yeah. was uh this idea that 
clothing can indicate membership mm. and being part of um, a community or a particular status, all of those things, but that increasingly we have more access and we seek out more information around clothing and style and that now we are expected to make choices about fashion, whereas previously it would have been maybe predetermined just depending on Mm -hmm. where you were born and what kind of family you were born into. And so now we have this, um, I'm just trying to read like a, a, a part of, it was from McCracken and Roth in 1989. <laughs> this is what blew my mind though. This is what blew my mind about this, that they were yeah. writing about this in the late 80s and it just yeah. spoke so true to our experience right now. They said, the young are more active and constant seekers of clothing information. They have recently been called upon to make their own choices of what to wear and they have endured the hypersensitivity to fashion and clothing that group members um, that group membership in adolescence often creates. Older individuals mm. are less preoccupied with this hypersensitivity and mm. the need to declare new or changing group membership. So maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but historically the main distinctions between clothing would have been status or um, I guess like, like yeah, work-related. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, whereas yeah. now there's just so many subcultures that exist within mm the fashion landscape, but they still seem to indicate membership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in amongst all of that, we're striving for individuality. Yeah. It's just so confusing. We all want to be unique, but we want to look a little bit like each other so that we're accepted into the group. It's, yeah, it's contradictory, hey? Mm. It's, so it's, it's, I think, and I think it plays to our sides of humanity, right? So we, we want, we want to be, we want to feel like we belong right mm. we need to be part of a group and so um but you also want to be recognized so we want recognition and we mm-hmm. want belonging right mm-hmm. and that oh, I don't know if they're like yin and yang or sides of a continuum but if you have one without the other yeah. um it's it's not necessarily the most healthiest place so I remember you know you go to you go to your your, your local shopping center on a Thursday night and it is glorious to see groups of young people yes. who are you know, and they're definitely part of the same crew because they're mm-hmm. wearing just slight different shades of the exact same clothing, right? Yeah. So they're all wearing, a, you know, a crop white top with a high neck and then um, they've got their midriff showing and they've got their jeans, which are all, you know, slightly different shades of jeans. Yeah. And, and to them, they're being an individual because they're claiming their style, right? Mm-hmm. They're claiming their clothing for their own, but there's also absolutely uniform of membership. Yes. And I don't know if, I, like, I, I mean... I think that there is a sense of definitely the, you know, we look at young people and the way that peer relationships are so important, especially in those formational years of, you know, of um, your young adult, your young adult heart life and your teenage life, mm. that that claim to membership is, is, you know, is louder, right, than perhaps the need to be that need to be, I suppose, against or different. Um, and perhaps, or perhaps what we're being different against is those of our parents or those of our, you know, different mm. generations. Mm-hmm. Mm. But but I think that it still exists in terms of, I think, as you're saying, it perhaps it becomes less um, 
you know, I don't think it becomes less relevant as we grow up. We still have that, we like to have that sense of belonging, and but our membership perhaps changes. So maybe we're connecting not necessarily with our peers that we see in real life, but we see we're connecting with people that we identify with online and saying, you know, I'm choosing this style that represents a belonging to this idea that I've seen amongst people, um, even on the internet, you know. Mm. So those, those, I suppose, lines of membership, shift and change as we grow older Mm. they're not necessarily just like the people in your class or school or whatever when I reflect on that personally it makes me think of the Enneagram do you know anything about it I don't know enough about it to even say the next thing but I'm going to anyway (laughs) I love it go for it I'm a four and that's all I know about the Enneagram I'm a four wing three and Mm -hmm. I think it's actually quite it makes sense that I'd be a four and like not care to know about any of the other ones all I feel like about that is that I want to be the star Like I want to be unique and set apart and different from the other people, but not in a way that ostracizes me from other people. And I so feel that about my wardrobe. Like when I position myself within the people that I know and associate with and spend most of my time with, I want to look different from those people in what I wear, but I don't know why that is important to me. I know that I don't want to be wearing what everyone else is wearing, but I also will be deeply offended if they don't like what I'm wearing. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I completely, like, I completely, I, I, I get, I'm, um, I remember one of the, one of the worst outfits I ever wore, right. Um, as a result of my op shopping was this bright red, floor length skirt I would wear the outfit now it would be it would just be banging right it was a bright red (laughs) cherry red um floor length um high-waisted full length skirt that I wore with a blue um dark blue tie-dye t-shirt yes yeah you did doc boots right Mm -hmm. right now that outfit would be like I'd be I'd be smoking but right but this was 1996 (laughs) and I, I wore it on a casual day right That is a bold choice. Right? And I felt like I wore it to school and I was so confident Mm. and I was just so excited and I rocked up and and everyone was just like, (laughs) who even are you? (laughs) And I remember just being devastated at the amount of difference that, that, yeah, like that, because I was so proud of myself and yeah. I was so excited about this style and I was just getting into op shopping and I found this, and you guys don't know how cheap this was. This mm-hmm. was dirt cheap. It was like 50 cents, da, 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 da. And no one got it. Mm-hmm. And that that massive sense of difference, I don't know if I was prepared for it or, but I wonder, I don't I don't know. I was just, that, I just thought of that story. And I think sometimes, you know, the, the, our contradictory, our contradictory desires that we have, but it's a, but I don't think we should criticize ourselves for it, right? No, because there yeah. is that. I think I think that there is something in us that wants to be recognized as mm. our, you know. And for you, you have such a desire to be creative and and to you know put a lot of effort in your clothes. A lot of people necessarily don't have that desire. Mm. So that sense of recognition for you is really really important. But as you're saying, you you still want them to like you. So that mm. belonging is really important too. And I mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't necessarily have the answers to why we feel that way, right? Mm. But I know that clothing is such a clear marker of that. So it's a, a massive tool at our disposal, uh, our, 
um, disposal. And then also, I think we need to recognise those those impulses of humanity, of connection with other people and, mm-hmm. and the stories that we tell. Um, so the kindness that we should feel in that moment, you're saying, oh, look, I want to, I want to be the star. That's great. You know, all power to you. <laughs> And, and I think that's one thing that we, you know you talk about with the upshopping is that the, one of the reasons why people find this so appealing is that that avenue of creativity, that avenue of being different to other people they don't want to like is so, so damn appealing as, com- mm. you know, as opposed to, you know, mainstream fashion where it's saying, I've done the work, mm-hmm. I've, I've found these gems that people discarded, this junk mm-hmm. that people discarded, I now have this treasure. So we have, and I talk about in the article, this thing called, we, we call it cultural capital. So we have tickets on ourselves mm. um, that we broadcast yeah. far more than people who shop in mainstream. We broadcast oh. our sense of clothing because mm-hmm. we feel so proud of the story and the style that we've created right Mm -hmm. and so we will tell everybody that I paid three dollars for this skirt or that I've you know that that this was found in the box somewhere and I found this in this terrible smelly old place because other people don't have that skill Mm -hmm. or that recognition that I do to create this sense of style and distinction Mm, anyway I might have gone on a tangent no no but conversely (laughs) if someone else came to me and said you know, if I commented on their outfit and they said, oh, yeah, I got these jeans for $5 at Kmart, I'm, like, writing that off as, like, oh, so you're you're unsophisticated, oh, then yeah. you don't get it, you know? Like Sorry. It, yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting, an interesting thing. Creates a sense of snobbery and judgment 100%. Yes. So, 100%. Oh, and then in in the article as well, it goes on to talk about, individuality as being such a a main reason that the people that you interviewed gave as to their appeal and draw to shopping secondhand and shopping vintage. Now, some people are drawn to that really bold, obvious vintage. You look at it, you know that it's from another era. Um, It has those clear indicators. But you noted in your research that sometimes the individuality of an item is unclear there aren't those distinct features. It looks as though it could have come from anywhere. So then what are we doing? What is the appeal? Do we get the sense of gratification just in personally knowing that we dug through the trash and unearthed something that is great to us? Is it the sense of um, heroism because we saved something from landfill? You know, what is it that is underlying that when there isn't a clear marker that the clothing is secondhand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as we talk about, you know, we, um, I think, and it's, it's really interesting when you say, you know, the sense of judgment, you, people who have less, um, uh, I suppose, familiarity with up shopping or secondhand clothing definitely have a very, um, clear, like there's always this very, um, idea of what they think op shopping is so mm. these are the people that post on facebook saying look where can i get 70s clothing at an op shop group um you know nearby and you're like look you can't get 70s clothing at op shops anymore you know mm. like mm-hmm. they, they have this idea that you go to get costumes and there's yes. a it's 70s vintage i'm definitely going to get like something from the 40s there because that's definitely op shopping you know and people that are engaged in op shopping say yeah sorry guys that's not what's happening because um the a large majority of things that you find a secondhand are simply things that people have worn of recent days and yeah. and gotten rid of. So why do we keep off shopping? So there are different layers of, of that appeal. Mm. And so we have that sense of um, we have that uh, 
since then of the process which we then claim credit for so we love the exchange in and the process of buying secondhand so secondhand um, is kind of that harking back to a um, almost like this grassroots exchange where there's an old there's a nana who's um, who's volunteering and most stop shops are, are cash and there's no necessarily music and it kind of smells a little bit so yeah. we, we like that kind of um, nostalgic story of that process where mm. um, <clears throat> I bought this and or it's five dollars in a bag or I yeah as you're saying I trawled through the racks and found this one item which doesn't look secondhand but um it's an item that I've been looking for my wardrobe. I've been looking for mm. an oversized white shirt and I've got it right here. So mm -hmm. I can claim that. So that process of consumption is, is then becomes almost more valuable than the clear, um, the face value difference of that particular item. Right. Mm. Um, and then increasingly, and I will say even more so than when I did the research, that sense of sustainability, that sense of environmental responsibility that we have has definitely increased in terms of its, um, I suppose, importance in the, in the secondhand world and the up shopping world, um, because we do feel this, it's like, you know, when we went into lockdown and we felt amazing for getting takeaway because we're saving small business, <laughs> you know, we had this sense of like, yes. Oh, I'm yeah. so good. Yeah. I'm saving these clothes from landfill and mm -hmm. you know you are I mean yeah. you're still consuming but you mm -hmm. you are you are yeah. definitely and mm -hmm. um I think that's going to only increase as time goes on um that that sense of um we we draw upon those different advantages of secondhand clothing when that distinct when the option for it to be a distinct clothing decreases mm. right we draw we, we lean more heavily into this story of you know this pure sense of consumption or you're rejecting the mainstream fashion or the environmental or the sustainable um story um to i suppose give more meaning to that particular object mm. Mm. yeah that's interesting i wonder then when op shops maybe inevitably maybe not mm. become entirely filled with fast fashion um, yeah. as that becomes, you know, I mean, even now you go into an, op, into an op shop and it becomes rarer and rarer for you yeah. to find, you know, the seventies gear or the stuff that feels yeah. like the real gold. Um, yeah. yeah. How we will continue maybe outside of that sustainability sort of line of thought to give meaning to those items of clothing. If, um, it's just one step down the line, if you're, 100%. You're rejecting supporting yeah. those big $5 corporations. Payment. Yeah, but yeah. you buy it for three dollars at the yeah. op shop instead. Yeah. You know, um, that becomes yeah. really interesting. It does become interesting. And and I think we're gonna see that it's gonna be an increasing yeah. challenge. And so I suppose what do we do with those clothing? You know, and I think that um we need to again for, for people who we're so privileged, right? Mm. We live in privileged society. What 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 do we do with that? And that sense of self-justification becomes higher and that sense mm -hmm. of true kind of um, responsible shopping becomes lower what will we do? you know maybe the the notion of reusing and and um, upcycling in terms of in, into into other things maybe become you know increasingly yeah. more important than yeah. just the garments themselves mm. um, you know and I think one other you know there's so many different aspects in this world now mm. where like um, the the role of the business the business secondhand and the role of charity in that space is really, really interesting as well, because, you know, one of the other reasons that people, you know, love to say it was like, well, I'm giving, I'm giving $5 yes. to, to Vinny's or to the yeah. op shop, you know, and mm -hmm. the sense of just or um, social kind of 
um, responsibility in that space mm -hmm. is really interesting um, because, you know, they were, as I say, I, I kind of go into a little bit more in, in the thesis, but the reason Opshots were set up were to yes. provide clothing to replicate the um, the outfits of people who have more money than them so that, that, so that people aren't judged for the clothing that they bought. So it's actually not the charity wasn't set up for to raise money for charities, but they were set up to provide clothing for people that can't afford it. But a huge proportion of people that buy from shop op shops are, you know, the quote yes. unquote the needy, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So they're removing they're removing that possibility of engagement from that. And because of that, you know, op shops increase their prices because their yeah. their um, consumers aren't again people who can't afford it they're people that want to shop secondhand and so we love we love the the op shops like savers and things like that but that is operates as a business model rather than a charity yes. model they donate yeah. profits to a charity mm -hmm. but they employ their staff you know yes and increasingly you would see that across the other chains as well salvos employs some of their staff and vinnies and places yeah. like that as well yeah because the model is shifting away from being um close for charity to close secondhand again like that's I participate in that, so yes. I can't. I yeah, can't. yeah. So you can go. You must do this. You know, yeah. that's that's the shifting nature of of you know. And I think that because it involves people, it shifts and and evolves. And and I and I think you know you know we we haven't even talked about the notion of people curating like and vintage mm. stores and mm -hmm. curating um, the possibility of saying you know they go to an op shop and because yeah. they found it and they styled it for you and given mm -hmm. you an idea, then they can then charge. Yes. Um, more of a premium amount for the exact same item you find in an op shop, you know, mm -hmm. and and so many people do that beautifully and make their living from that. Yes, um, and and I think it it is it is really interesting. You know, I don't know I don't know how you feel about yeah. how you feel about that. that I feel so many different ways about that, and the podcast is primarily made up of interviews with people who do that as yeah. their job. You know, yeah. and I find it fascinating um, because I'm really drawn to. Uh, engaging with content that people like that produce. I find it mm -hmm. um, really inspiring at a personal style level. It's things that I seek out and then try to emulate myself. But because I am an avid op shopper, that's not yeah. my preferred channel of purchasing because yeah. I, I enjoy the hunt of looking for that stuff myself. Yeah. But I do yeah. see how the people who maybe turn up their nose at going into like a dumpy op shop, you know, not that many of them are even like that anymore, but no. <laughs> they, they might have those preconceived notions of what it is to shop secondhand, but they could engage with a vintage seller because the item has been styled and curated, even just that word, and you know, it sounds, yeah, it's been cleaned, cleaned it's been <laughs> photographed beautifully, yeah. you know, all of these yeah. things that then appeals to a different, audience than an op shop does you know for me yeah. I grew up in a context where we didn't have heaps of money to spend on clothing but the idea of shopping secondhand was not something that we would engage with at all yeah. because that was an yeah. indicator of poverty that was an indicator 100%. that you don't 100%. have yep. um, the means to buy things new and so even now mm -hmm. I see you know just with people in my own family a hesitation to engage with secondhand even though it looks really different now than it used to because in their mind that's still indicating a lack yep 100 percent. and you see that definitely with a generate especially a generational um trying to be exchanged in terms of the shame the shame yeah. that yeah. you know you don't want to let anybody know that you yeah. bought this secondhand because i yeah because of the poverty that mm -hmm. that represents and and um 
And yeah, that's what we see. So we're seeing this shift, this generational shift in terms of, you know, turning away from a shame-based practice into a, you know, into a, um, an excitable kind of um, almost learned skill. Yes. And I think what your point is absolutely correct. I think that the thing about curated kind of vintage um, sellers is that they do open the opportunity for people to engage in second hand that wouldn't normally do that. Yes. And I think that is a really, on the flip side, I think what it does show you is that, um, that she's saying you love op shopping, but there's a... Um, there is a skill that you develop yep. when you do op shopping. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, if you ever taken someone op shopping that there's never been that, that sense of kind of deer in the headlights, what do I do with this yes. space? Yeah. Um, you can kind you kind of need to guide them through it. Like I've had mm-hmm. many conversations with mates saying, I don't know how to op shop. And I'm like, well, you just go into the store and you shop, yeah. but there is definitely it's a more skill, right? That, yeah. So, you know, you know, um, um, you know, you can flick through a rack really quickly because you know exactly what mm-hmm. you're looking for. Perhaps mm-hmm. you've got an item in mind or perhaps you've got, you know, some sort of silhouette in mind or you know what, if, you know, a maker or you know, um, you know, if seams are good, you know, if fabric is good, you mm-hmm. know, and there is definite that, that, you know, that knowledge, that skill, right, which a lot of people enjoy when they do go to that process. Mm-hmm. But there is um, certain challenges that people who haven't engaged in that or perhaps have, you know, a strong association with um, poverty or shame or or dirt or death, you know, that, mm. that they're barriers to that, you know. But that sense of pride that someone has when they know how to an op shop is like, mm. like my mother-in-law, she's one of the best op shoppers <laughs> I have, like, she's, I don't know, she'd win a gold, a gold medal because what you do, you just tell her, you're like, I'm looking for this. And within a week, she'll just find it. She yes. just things come to her. She yep. just and the sense of pride she has mm. of an achievement of this mm-hmm. is like an Olympic sport for yep. her, you yep. know. And uh, and I yeah, I just think that that is such an interesting. Uh, again, I, it's just so interesting that yep. that is that one people. Oh, I love it. I love. How can people don't do it? Don't mm. to do it as well. But I think it's really interesting of the meanings that we actually have placed mm. into these practices it's way more than this superficial practice mm. it, it tells us a lot about what we value um and that sense of style that you know that you know we we all go on the journey of creating mm. in the traditional podcast format I tend to ask mm. the same series of questions to yeah. um people who either make their own clothes or they upcycle clothing that they find secondhand or materials Mm -hmm. that they find secondhand or they curate vintage and then sell it and style it. Um, But a common theme that comes up is that people do it for a sense of individuality and sustainability. And those are the key things that I hear over and over again. That's what people identify as being the most important part of that process to them. The ABC foreign correspondent put out uh, a really interesting article recently called Dead White Man's Clothes. Did you see that? Oh, I've seen similar. I, yes. I, I didn't see that exact one, yeah. but I'm sure I, I know yeah. the content of it. Yep. Just like looking at the clothing that is shipped from Western countries to then West Africa and essentially just mountains. They look like mountain ranges, but made of our discarded clothes. And yeah. um, that the first point, actually is that they land in markets where people will then try to on-sell them um, in these West African clothing markets and they try to find the things in much in the same way that we do. They try and pull out mm-hmm. the gold from the piles of garbage and everything mm-hmm. else gets discarded. It's uh, really sobering to see images like that because 
we rarely do. We're very disconnected from the end life of our garments, I think. And so while we as op shoppers might feel heroic somewhat in saving an item from landfill, I wonder how often we really consider the the final stage of a garment. And there's so much to be said for who needs to take responsibility for that and definitely I think integrated into businesses that has to be considered you know I had a really great chat with Lois Hazel recently who is a a really fantastic ethical and sustainable designer in Melbourne Mm. um who considers the end life of the garment in the production of the garment you know and you'd think that that would be standard practice but it's not um so I suppose all of that to pose the question to you um what do you think is going to happen with fashion like what do you think comes next because we see the cycle of trends over and over again we see um things from the 70s come back into the zeitgeist and people want to wear those things again do you think that fashion will ever get back to the place where it was that very clear, distinct marker of status and job um, and will have much more of a rigid, almost uniform approach to style? Or do you think we've gone way too far past that to return back there? Like what do you think happens? Yeah. I think um, I think failing an apop- uh, like a, an apop- apoc- apocalyptic <laughs> event, you know, where we're all going to wear like just those um, zip-up silver yeah. um, jumpsuits, mm-hmm. you know, that they always seem to wear in the kind of or the like early a, society. a handmaid's tale type of situation. <laughs> or a handmaid's tale. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I think failing that type of catastrophic event, or maybe we'll have that, I, I don't think that we could have the rigid, I don't. I, I don't think that the rigidness, would, just because of the sense of um, the globalization that we experience and the tech, um, the technology of um, idea sharing and and that notion of fast. You know, I, I don't think that that will stop in of itself. You know, mm-hmm. without being forced to. I think that um, that sense of fashion, um, at being a, you know, an ever changing kind of evolution of who we are as a style the fact the impulses that we almost have to tampen down the impulses to mm. um for people that are you know engaged in this fashion world you have to tampen down the impulses to buy things and to kind of create sorry you know um and I yeah as again so I don't think it will stop in of itself but I I still do believe in cultural change right mm. so that sense that um, we do have an increased awareness of um, the the beginning life of our garments and where they come from, but yeah, where they finish, I think, is really really interesting. And and I and I I believe that those that are privileged, you know, we never we never seem to learn something until we're forced to. That's the problem because mm-hmm. it's sense of the sense of comfort that we don't we don't get we don't get affected at all by those piles of you know garments yes. in our you know, there's no sense of consequence in my mind you yeah. know and and if we don't see that consequence I don't know if it will shift dramatically but mm. I am that sense of of um the sense of talking about it can be a really really small thing but when we change when we start talking about something we change discourse we change yeah. culture around it yeah. so talking about the the having um proximity mm. to our product 
Mm -hmm. is one of the most important things that we can have, you know, and the really unfortunate things and the frustrating things is that, you know, we value labor. So well, we value the the cost of labor in Australia higher than we do in developing nations. So Mm -hmm. it costs so much more to to make our own things like even you know from your conversation last week it costs so much for us to make our own clothes and we mm-hmm. don't even pay ourselves you mm-hmm. know and and I think the distance that we have from products as a as a society in general is actually to our detriment because we yeah. don't see any consequences of of where they come from or where they go so I would love to see an increased responsibility to have proximity to to um to what we buy and what we use. Mm. And I can't, again, I can't see that shifting massively, but it shifts, culture change can be slow and mm. um, incremental. So I think that we do need to think about that and think about how we can transform um, something that looks like I just want to throw that away and not thinking about it. Because even sometimes when you donate to the op shop, you're doing that exact same yes. thing. You're not thinking I'm going to give it a second home and you're like, I just mm. want to get out of my house. Yes. Even if the garment is old or dirty or torn, you know, I think it's almost unfair mm. for us to just thrust those items. Shifting your responsibility. Because have to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm. Um, there is so much more that I would love to chat with you about, but for the sake of the listeners and for yeah. your schedule, uh, we're no, going to leave it there. But yeah, truly, it was such a joy to get to chat with you about this. I so appreciate um, your thoughts okay. and your research and um, all of the time and consideration that you've put into this subject, but also that um, for you it's that consideration and the research balanced out with like a genuine love and interest in shopping. Do you know what I mean? You're not not distant from just wanting a bargain from the op shop. Um which is I'm where I made sure I wore something today that um that I bought that I bought an op shop just because you know you can't you can't not not. um yeah I I suppose I I know it's been such a pleasure Hannah I, I think like one thing that we were chatting about you know, on Instagram before, it's just like, you know, they're not just, we're not just wardrobes, you know, the clothes that we buy secondhand have a relationship to who we are as people. Mm. They're embodied, they're embodied objects, you know, and we um, infiltrate meaning towards them. And I think that, um, you know, what makes that good, um, what makes an item good or this process good are the stories that we place in that. And Mm. that's not a bad thing. I just Mm. think we, we can be, we can be proud or kind to ourselves as humans to, to tell these stories of these clothes and, and what makes that, you know, what makes a good outfit or what makes a good item or what makes a good purchase. And, um, that, I think makes us have a greater responsibility. Mm. And again, Mm -hmm. set that proximity in that relationship to that clothing. And then what we do with that, we Mm. have a greater care, um, in yeah. likewise. Anyway, yes. I don't want to start the conversation <laughs> again. But. No, I love it. I love it. Um, we probably will have to do this again because why not? There's just endless things to discuss and unearth in this pleasure. whole realm. Um, thank you so much. I really, really do appreciate it. No, no worries, Hannah. Wowie, there was a lot there, wasn't there? That was a huge episode, but I hope that you loved it. Gosh, that was so satisfying for my soul. I hope that there were some things in that conversation that resonated with you or that you could um, pull out to consider for yourself. Um, Maybe it articulated some of the things that you've thought around fashion and shopping secondhand before. I cannot say thank you enough to Kirsten for being a guest on the show. That was just such... Uh, an enjoyable chat to have and to get to share with you all so if you loved it please do let us know 
We are at WellWornPod on Instagram. You can follow us over there to keep up to date with all things related to the podcast. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch you again soon. Bye.